All right. Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome to discipleship class number 34, 34 of 36, which means we are getting close to the end, which is um, sometimes bittersweet. I enjoy uh, these classes and um, the relationships that are formed uh, over the Word of God. It's a, it's a, it's a cool thing. Um, the Bible talks about, you know, the, the Word of God is food, you know, uh, milk and then strong meat. And if you think about um, having a meal with people you love is like one of the highlights of life. You know, we celebrate with food and, and you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, things of this nature. And so um, I have certainly enjoyed all the meals that we have shared together uh, from the Word of God and look forward to finishing strong in these last uh, three classes. They are uh, some of my favorite. I told some folks this morning that um, I went, I don't know, several years where I would just go ahead and teach these classes first because, you know, we would start with, you know, 50 to 80 people. Uh, that was before we were doing it online. And, um, and then, you know, by Thanksgiving, uh, start in August, and by Thanksgiving, you know, that number sometimes even be half, you know, down to 40 or 30, you know, what have you. And so I thought, you know, if I'm, if I'm only going to get like just a, you know, six or eight weeks or whatever, then I, I want to get this part to everyone. But I kind of rethought that, uh, I guess, in the last maybe six or eight years, um, because there are so many things that we need to understand leading up to what we're going uh, to talk about tonight and then in the coming days, okay? So but let's, uh, let's pray and, and we'll get started. And um, Father, we just come to you tonight, um, Lord, humbly before you, recognizing you as our creator, as our father, as the lover of our souls, as the one who sings over us while we sleep at night. Lord, you uh, had a purpose and destiny in mind for us before we were ever formed in our mother's womb. Lord, I thank you that, that you're helping us understand that purpose and destiny. You're helping us connect with it in a, in a very real and, and a very meaningful way, Lord, in our lives. Father, I thank you tonight that as we look into your word, that you know, the importance of these things will not be lost on us. And Lord, the ability to receive them, not just intellectually, but Lord, uh, in our hearts to understand, not just with the brain, but to understand with the heart, Father. And Lord, we, we need the Holy Spirit um, in all things, but Lord, especially when it comes to connecting uh, mind-renewing ways. And so, Lord, thank you. Uh, we acknowledge the Holy Spirit as our teacher tonight. We submit ourselves to Him. And we thank you, Lord, for your anointing upon me to speak your word and upon those listening to hear and receive it. Lord, I thank you for the difference that these truths are going to make um, in our lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. So we have been in a section of of our teaching, for some reason it's all kind of moving a little slow up here, I don't know, um, anyway, I won't be distracted by that. We've been answering this question, what is man? And um, I know one of the first things we said is that man is a God-class being, man is a God-class being, and then we said that man is a spirit being, man is a spirit being, you are a spirit, you possess a soul, you live in a physical body. And when we taught on that part, we said that we would circle back around and finish, um, you know, the explanation. Because while you are a spirit being, you obviously are 
living in a physical body. I look at your physical body right now, it's what I see. But the Bible tells me that there's more to you than I can see with my physical eye. And then we looked at man as the legal authority on earth. Man as the legal authority on earth. And then for the last uh, several weeks, we've been on number four. Man is a being created in the image and likeness of God. A being created in the image and likeness of God. And we said, as it relates to that one statement, we've looked at multiple characteristics. Things that you can do that no other created thing can do. Um, like agreements, uh, the ability to believe, the ability to speak. I, I was doing some writing early the other morning at my kitchen table, my laptop, and, and um, where I sit there, there's a window that looks out in the backyard, and, and um, there's some squirrels that love to play along the top of the, it's a two-by-four wooden fence, and they love to run. It's like their playground out there. And um, as I was sitting there just meditating on some things and thinking about those squirrels, you know, pray for me if you think I'm losing my mind. I'm not, I promise you I'm not. But I, I started thinking, you know, I wonder if those squirrels ever feel like life's passing them by, you know. I wonder if that squirrel ever, like, stresses about, like, not having a big enough nest or, you know, did he have enough baby squirrels with his squirrel wife, you know. There's some of these questions that I think are unique only to us, right. Um, I don't think squirrels fret over their destiny. I don't think squirrels wonder if their life should have a greater purpose than what it is. But let me tell you what I do know. I don't know about squirrels. But let me tell you what I do. I've, I've yet to meet a human being that doesn't feel that way at some point in their lives. It's because, guess what? We were created for something more. We were created for a higher and greater purpose. And because of that, we were created in the image and likeness of God. Remember, comparability compatibility. God made us comparable to himself so that we could be compatible with himself. Now, this brings us to the fifth and final part of this, and that is man is a three-dimensional being. Man is a three-dimensional being. We tend to think and look and consider ourselves as one-dimensional beings. We tend to think of ourselves as one-dimensional beings. We tend to look at other people as one-dimensional beings. We tend to think one-dimensionally, okay? And that dimension, of course, being the flesh, the body, the, the uh, tangible uh, part of you, you know, that, that makes a sound when you, when you slap it, okay? Um, and yet that's just one part, one dimension of the three. And it's hard to say that one is more important than the others, but I will say important as your physical body is, if your physical body uh, you know, loses the life that's in it, um, you still uh, exist, okay? Uh, in other words, your, your body can exist without your spirit, but your spirit can't exist without your body. It just can't stay here, okay? Um, in order to exist on this planet, you, you've got to live inside of something that was made from this planet. And the body that you live in was made from the dust. And, um, and so I'm going to use that terminology a lot, the body you live in. The body you live in. I would encourage you to start thinking of yourself as the body that you live in. I've taught on these things for, I don't know, 25 years or longer, okay? But the Lord gave me something new recently, and some of you have heard me mention this already. The Lord gave me something new recently as it, as it relates to this. Um, and, and He told me that He wanted me to start caring for my body like a cowboy cares for his horse. 
And that really gave me um, the right perspective or at least better perspective on uh, my uh, exercise and nutrition. Um, connected to that, um, the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean audible voice. I mean in, in my heart. He said, you've never seen a cowboy load a bucket full of Snicker bars and let his horse um, stick his face in there and eat all that stuff, right? And I, I'm not just talking about somebody that rides a, a horse, you know, because they like to ride a horse. I'm talking about a sure enough cowboy that has to take care of that animal because if that animal goes down, he could be stranded and literally lose his life out in the middle of nowhere, okay? And so I'm going to talk to you about these three dimensions tonight. Um, we call this stick men theology because I have a drawing um, of, of stick men that kind of illustrate this. Uh, and then theology is the, is the study of, of all things God, theo being God, ology being study. And so when we say stick men theology, the, those words are just kind of something that um, years ago... And uh, I do not know what's going on with all this technology up here this evening. I just lost connection on the iPad. But anyway, we're going to keep plowing ahead. And if you're watching and um, and we lose connection, okay, just stay patient. Uh, we'll we'll jump right back in there. So um, anyway, let me get myself reoriented for y'all here who are in the room. Um, praise God. <clears throat> so like. One of the ways, so the body you live in, that, that's, that's a really good way to start renewing your mind to, um, to the idea that you are not your body. Come on now. You are not your body. Your body is that part of you live in, but you're not your body. Uh, just like a cowboy's not his horse. Uh, I'm, I'm being a little bit silly, but I rode in here on this body, or, or not on this body, but in this body um, uh, this evening. And um, so <clears throat> this is one of those key areas where we really need to renew our minds. And as we lay some groundwork uh, today that we will build on in, in the next two classes, you see, if if I am not my body, but my body is something that I live in. The Bible actually refers to, to our physical body as a tent. And the Bible says that we have a permanent home, right? Speaking of a glorified body that, that we'll one day move into. So a tent is what? A tent's a temporary dwelling place. If you ever go camping, you don't, the plan is not to live in that tent forever. It's just a temporary place to stay. And so this body uh, that I live in now is not my final, uh, the, not the final body I will live in. Um, but there is a body, the Bible says, that God's already prepared for me in, in heaven. So I'm getting, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but, but it's just that one aspect there. Uh, if, if we begin to realize that we're more than our physical body, then that provides a foundation that we can then begin to understand how all kinds of things can be true about us, even though there's no physical evidence to support it yet. Um, for example, the Bible says the day you were born again, you became just as right with God as Jesus. You became just as righteous. You were made righteous. 
You, you will never make yourself righteous lifestyle. You'll never make yourself holy by trying to be holy. I'm not saying you shouldn't try to be righteous. I'm not saying you shouldn't try to be holy. But your works, your effort, your obedience can never make you right with God. It can never make you holy. The only way you can ever be right with God in the eyes of God, the only way you can ever be holy before God is if you let him recreate you and make you right and make But we look in the mirror and we don't always see um, a righteous man or woman. We don't always see a free man or woman. See, freedom is the, is the same. We've been made free. Whom the Son makes free shall be free indeed. Whom the Son makes free, that's speaking of the new birth, okay, shall be free in their performed action. So it's one thing to be made free. It's another thing to live free. It's one thing to be made righteous. It's another thing for that inward reality of righteousness to become an outward expression of life. And so when we started these, uh, you know, some 30-odd classes ago, that's one of the fundamental ways that we define discipleship is for the inward reality of your new birth to become an outward expression of your daily life, okay? But if we only think of ourselves one-dimensionally, and, and so in other words, if you only think of yourself one-dimensionally and you look at your one-dimensional, you know, life or your life from a one-dimensional perspective, and you don't see any evidence of freedom, you don't see any evidence of healing, you don't see any evidence of rest, any evidence of righteousness, it's very easy for you to say, well, I must not be righteous. I must not be holy. I must not be free. Okay. But when you realize that the real you, as a born-again man or woman, is righteous, is free, is holy, and on and on and on, the list is just, it's this long, okay? Um, you begin to realize, okay, then, then it's and believing um, who I became the day I became a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. But see, all of this will be, how about, this is one of my favorite verses, and I got a lot of favorites, okay, but Hebrews 10 and 14, it says, He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. We'll look at that verse again here in a minute, but he has perfected forever, not will per perfect forever, has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. This verse is literally saying that you are a perfect work in progress. And if you only think of yourself in, as, as being a one-dimensional uh, being, as, as a one-dimensional being, you'll never understand that because you look at your one-dimensional outward per person and you don't see perfection yet and you go, that verse must mean something besides what it seems to mean, Okay. But if you understand the real you is the spirit living inside this body, and that part of you has been perfected, but then you also have something called a soul, which is your mind, emotions, and will, and that part of you is a work uh, in progress, which then begins to shine through this physical body. Um, we've, we've been talking some in morning class, and I, I know some of you have heard me say some of those things, you know, about, you know, our Father puts potential in things and then brings it out. Well, when it comes to me and you, He put Himself in us. <laughs> Amen. Christ in you. This is kept hidden for generation after generation after generation. Finally chosen, God chose a man named uh, Saul of Tarsus. We know him as the Apostle Paul. God chose him as the man to bring this revelation um, to light, and, and that is the whole mystery uh, from beginning until now that it's 
made available through the sacrifice of Jesus is that Christ living in you now becomes the confident expectation of everything God is, everything God has, and everything God can do living inside of you right now. Now, we just got way on out there, right? But we've been learning on Wednesday nights together in the, in the main service. And I know, ladies, I don't, I'm not trying to... You can watch these later or when you graduate or go fifth phase or what have you. But, but the reason we need a mirror is that a mirror shows us things that we can't see any other way, right? I, I don't need a mirror to see my hand. I can see my hand. But I need a mirror to see my face, okay? And there are certain things that you will never be able to see for yourself unless you see it in a mirror. And the Bible refers, God refers to His Word in the Word of God as the mirror. The mirror is where you can see these new birth realities, what's true about you. You can't see them in a physical mirror. Only, only thing a physical mirror do is show you an appearance, right? An outward appearance. But the spirit mirror of the Word of God will show you a true reflection of who you are and who you became the day you became a new creation in Christ. Then is when we begin to line our thinking up with the reality of our new birth, it, beca- it becomes an outward expression of life. Here is a key verse, and we're going to look at a lot of verses over the next few weeks together, okay, that relate to all of this. But one of my favorites is 3 John. It's just one chapter, verse number 2. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Okay. So outward physical uh, health and outward physical prosperity. Okay, that you prosper, that you prosper in life. And prospering in life includes money, but doesn't stop at money. Anybody in here interested in being healthy and prospering? Okay, Star Trek so ripped it off, right? Live long and prosper. No, no, that's 3 John 2, okay? Um, To prosper and to be in health, okay? And do you realize that your Heavenly Father desires above all things that you prosper and be in health? If there's any parent in the room this morning, or for that matter, any time of day that you would walk in this room. There will never be a parent in this room that does not want their children to prosper and be in health. That's our Heavenly Father's heart and desire for us. Okay, But now, you have to listen very carefully, though. Beloved, my dearly beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health. Right? See, before we can ever experience prosperity and health and well-being and soundness in our outward life reality, it's got to become an inward reality first. It's, it, it's, it's got, so you know, at the spirit level of your being, Jesus can make you every bit whole. He can make you just as right uh, before God in the eyes of God as himself. Okay? But before that ever becomes an outward expression of life, mind is, is going have to uh, line up with that. In other words, if, if he makes you prosperous, but you continue to see yourself as a loser and as a failure, as a man or a woman thinks in his or her heart, so shall she be, so shall he be. So the, the real target of discipleship, and I know there are people who disagree with me on this, but I'm telling you, this is not an opinion. This is, 
years and years of teaching on this subject and searching the scriptures concerning this subject, the real target of discipleship is not the spirit. The spirit is the target of salvation. But once a man or a woman has been born again, and we're going to talk about what that really means and what became true about you the day that you were. Okay. But once you become really born again, that part of you is perfected forever, according to the scriptures. So there's no improvement needed there. There's no growth and development that's needed there. We refer to it as spiritual growth, but spiritual growth is when we are growing up into Jesus, right? As the Bible says in Ephesians, I think, chapter 4, in all things, all right? Now, I'm, I'm way ahead of myself, but, you know, this year, you guys are tuned in, plugged in, dialed in, and, and I'm able to I don't feel like I'm talking over. If, am I talking over anybody's head right now? I mean, I think everybody's all right. Okay. So, and that's a good thing. I say that, uh, you know, complimentary to you. And, and so I want to I wanna just go back and, and I'm trying to explain to you what the big deal about all this is. Um, truth gives way to more truth. There are certain things that you have to understand before you can ever understand other even more important things. It's back to that line upon line, you lay brick um, one line um, at a time. And um, you can't you know, lay uh, the, 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 the 19th row until what is man question. Um, so many of the sermons and books and resources that are available today focus on um, our purpose why we are, and they focus on our identity, who we are. It used to be almost exclusively purpose. And thank God, we, you know, we've, we've, a lot of resources over the last 20 years have come into, into, the, into the body of Christ concerning our identity. Extremely, extremely important for you to know who you are. You'll never know why you are until you know who you are because you've got to have that foundation of identity to understand your purpose. But you will never have a foundation to understand your true identity until you first know what you are. If you don't know what you are, you'll never know who you are. And if you never know who you are, you'll never know why you are. Now, the sweet spot of life is to know why you are and to commit yourself to pursuing the fulfillment and accomplishment of your destiny in, in Father's kingdom. So one thing leads to another, which leads to another, all right? And so these are among the most uh, fundamental truths. Things like marriage, things like addiction recovery, Things like parenting. These are what I call advanced life conditions. These are advanced life assignments. And many, many people are trying and failing in these areas because they do not have basic life understanding. We're trying to, to operate and function at an advanced level without understanding the basics of life. And it's hard to get any more basic um, than spirit, soul, and body. It's hard to get any more basic than what am I, who am I, why am I? Jesus said, as I've told you many times in John the 8th chapter, when questioned and, and, and needled by the religious establishment, Jesus looked at them and he said, what I'm saying is true. He said, because I know where I came from. I know who I am going. And, and I just... You know, my prayer for you, among other things, but this one is really close to the top, is that you will discover from the Holy Spirit and the Holy Word of God from who you are 
why you're here, and where you're going. Amen. Because when you understand those things, right, when you understand that you have those answers, you're in a position to, to function in life. Yes? Can you make like all of our well, yes and no, right? Because what we see ultimately is that before we ever existed in our mother's tummy, we existed in the heart of God. And that before we ever lived a single day of our lives, God already had a plan for our lives. But the Bible's very clear about it, that every single one of us, without exception, chose to do our own thing and follow our own plan instead of the plan that God had for us. So when we talk about our origin, we're talking about further back than... Um, I'm, I've shared this story off and on with different folks over the years, and I, I don't really want to take the time to do it now, but some of you... Um, I have heard me talk about my great-grandfather seven times removed, or grandfather seven... I guess great-grandfather would be six times removed. But he was an orphan in England, got caught stealing... And the man was going to make an example out of him and have him uh, hung, death by hanging. And I want to meet this man one day in heaven, but there was a, a, a gentleman who uh, intervened on his behalf with the crown. And my, great, my grandfather, seven times removed, was given the opportunity to either be executed or get on a boat and come to the new world. And that's how my family got here. And um, I, I, I share... Uh, a, uh, a grandfather seven times with but um have, have uh, done that wherever you want to get wherever it's comfortable amen uh, we didn't set all the tables and chairs back up because we've got graduation events in here this uh, this weekend. So, um, so obviously I see that as God's hand in my life because if he obviously he'd have been executed, I wouldn't be standing here teaching tonight. But if if you know the the chances of him surviving as an orphan on the streets in in London that many years ago, very slim. Um, and and so I think from our ancestors we can see the hand of God in our lives. You know, that's one from my uh, more recent history. My mother was raised in a dysfunctional home, alcoholic home. Um, girl, she got up and walked to church because she wanted something better for her family. Um, I'd, I'm sure there's probably other little girls that have done that, but I don't know of any. I and mean, that's kind of a rare thing, at least from my experience. So we can look at our ancestors and see, in that respect, you know, the hand of God and where we came from. But I'm ultimately talking about our Creator Father who who knew us and gave us purpose and grace in Christ Jesus before time began. And Jesus understood that. He, he was more aware of the world he came from than the world he found himself in. And, and so that's why, you know, he, people would see all kinds of impossibilities, and, and he, he saw possibilities with God where others only saw impossibilities. It's a great question, though. All right, so let's, um, let's, let's dig into this uh, three-dimensional being. And once again, we go back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, right? And um, I know we've mentioned this in here before, but we refer to, to the Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3 a lot 
over the course of our time together because of something that's uh, referred to as the law of first mention. Now, law of first mention, you'll never find those words in the Bible, but it's something that human beings came up with, coined the term. But the idea behind the law of first mention is that the first time you find something mentioned in the Bible, you need to pay very, very close attention to it. Um, and, And so, you know, we see, for example, the first words a human ear ever heard were be fruitful. So how important, right, is fruitfulness? And we, of course, see fruitfulness all throughout the Scriptures. And then ultimately Jesus in John the 15th chapter where he says, for us to be fruitful, we can't bear fruit uh, separated from the vine, that he's the vine or the trunk, we're the branches, fruits formed on the branches, but the branch can't bear fruit unless it's connected to the trunk or the vine of the tree. And that Father, our Father is glorified um, in heaven when we bear fruit. And he's not just talking about having babies. I know a lot of times we look at that, we think be fruitful and multiply, and he told them to have children. Children is one small part of that, but fruitfulness includes every aspect of our lives. And so we refer back to this because we're talking about origin, we're talking about destiny, we're talking about purpose, and we find it you know, first mentioned, obviously, at our creation. And so it says this, Then God said, um, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, I want you to pay very close attention to the plural pronouns in this verse. A pronoun would be like he is a pronoun, she is a pronoun, his, her, all these are pronouns, okay? So when we say, uh, when this verse says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness, we see that, that God is using plural pl- pronouns. Let me say it another way. He did not say, let me make man in my image after my likeness. Not me and my, but us and our. And what we are to understand from that as the Bible unfolds, is that we discover that God is a three yet one being. He is God the Father, He is God the Son, and He is God the Holy Spirit. Now, again, I know some of you were not here for those classes, but we spend a great deal of time teaching on that aspect, which is often referred to as the Trinity, okay, Trinity meaning three, or sometimes you hear it said this way, triune God, tri meaning three, un meaning one. So three yet one, triune God or trinity. What we see is that it's God in three persons, not one God displaying himself as three different persons at different times, okay? But it's one God or Godhead made up of three persons, okay? And so we spend a great deal of time in earlier classes on this, but I don't want to try to do that now as as much as I feel compelled uh, to do it. One of the ways, and and it's only a way to get close, the the concept of God as as a trinity is something that has to be understood ultimately with the heart and and not uh, the, the brain, okay? But I like to use the example of H2O to try to at least get close to this. That's one of the things in our physical world that helps us understand how, how it can be one God in three persons. 
we know that H2O is you know, liquid. Um, it can also be vapor. It can also be ice or solid. And while all three of those forms of H2O are still H2O, they, they have at the same time a different function. So we see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all three God. A lot of times people get confused and think Jesus only came into existence at Christmas time. No, the Bible's very clear that he's the eternal son of God without beginning, without ending. And what we celebrate at Christmas is when he came to this earth as a human being. But Jesus, amen, are you following what I'm saying, is the eternal son of God. Now, when I say H2O is one of the better examples of something physical that can be three yet one at the same time, the greatest representation of a three yet one being in this earthly realm of creation greatest example of how something can be three and at the same time be one okay and so what we are to take away from all of this is that a three yet one God created a three yet one being in his image and in his likeness are you seeing this okay so God is three yet one and so when he made you he made you three First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And what we uh, see here is, uh, again, an important verse. Because we see that it refers to all three dimensions of our existence in one passage. And so the verse says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely... And may your whole or entire spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me... Um, I'm skipping a little bit ahead of some stuff here. Let me mention this, and I'll put these words up. I, I feel like I need to do this. Um, I'll tell you what, let's, let's do it this way. Um, for those of you who are watching online, I'm going to just do a screen overlay. Now, obviously, you're not in the room if you're watching online, and so uh, you won't be able to see uh, me, but I'm going to actually walk out from in front of the camera and I'm, I'm going to just do some teaching from the, the, the television screen. I know you've got a sharp angle over here. Can you, um, and if I need to roll it backwards a little bit, I can. Um, and I'm walking away from the microphone, so that's probably a no-no as well. Um, so is that a little better? Probably just cut off you guys there. All right. Let's see if I can get a little slack on this mic cable. Amen. All right. So um, what, what we see here in this drawing and um, the stick men got to upgrade, all right? So um, I purchased a piece of software called Doodly. I don't know if you ever heard of that. And so, so these are Doodly figures. And I used to, when I first got the Doodly stuff, it was really cool. I could push a button, and a hand would come in and draw all that. But, you know, I, I just kind of sit here like, okay, you know. But we just sat there and watched it draw it, and it really didn't add a lot to it. So um, let, let's just start with... Um, You've got three identical fi figures, um, and we see the first one is uh, spirit, right? And what I want you to understand about spirit is that's the real you, okay? You are a spirit, okay? And then 
the next thing we see is your soul, okay? And your soul is your mind, emotions, and will. Your mind, emotions, and will. Let me break that down just one more layer for you, okay? Your soul is the part of you that thinks. Your soul is the part of you that, that feels. And your soul is the part of you that chooses, that makes choices, right? So you see, we've got those, if you're watching online, those are, are underlined with, with uh, you, know, or, or, you know, broken lines. Spirit, soul, and body. Mind, emotions, and will. Now, the body is that third dimension of your existence. And if you can't read that from over across the room, um, that says flesh. So your body is your, is your flesh. Um, it, it also is where your five senses, your five physical senses reside, of course, in your body. And then we also see that the Bible refers to that part of you as your outward man. Your outward man, yes. Yes, the inward man is both the spirit and the soul. And that we'll cover in a later class, but not to get too far ahead. But the combination of your spirit and soul is also what the Bible calls your cardia. K-A-R-D-I-A. Okay, and anybody want to guess what English word, the Greek word cardia is translated into? It's your heart. Okay, so does the Bible have a lot to say about our heart? Man, I mean, a whole lot to say about our heart. And it's sad to me because a lot of people don't understand what their heart is. By definition, your heart is the totality of the immaterial man or the inward man, as Brother was pointing out. So I'll walk away from the microphone for a moment, but think of it this way. That's that's the heart. Now, why why is that important? Because if you're born again, there's a part of your heart that's been made perfect. But your heart's not just your spirit. Your heart is the part of you that is the combination of your spirit and your soul. Right? And so what we'll learn is that the spirit part of you is a completed work. If you've been born again, that transformation is complete. That's why the Bible calls it perfect. Okay? But your soul is a work in progress. That part of you is, is ongoing. All right, so that's why we talk about the heart as being the combination. That's why, you know, in your heart there are all kinds of wonderful desires, you know, things that you want to do to help people, serve people. Um, let, let me, and I kind of go on a limb sometimes when I say this, but, but, you know, have you ever seen like someone who's sick or hurting, maybe somebody in a wheelchair, somebody, you know, incapacitated in some way, and as a born-again believer, something just like just jumping up inside of you to go lay hands on them, to go pray for them, to go, you know, pull them up out of that wheelchair, what have you. Am I the only one? I don't think so, right? See, again, it, it's, it's because if, if that's not you, it is you. You just don't know it yet, okay? In other words, because that's, who, that, that, that's who's in you, right? That, that's, that's, that's the power and, the, and the, uh, you know, the God that's in you wants to see people helped like that. And we obviously saw that in the life of Jesus here on this earth as a human being. Now, there are some other words on this drawing, though, that may look a little different, okay? And so I want to start with the ones in parentheses over each figure's head. And those words are pneuma, suche, and soma. 
Okay? Numa suche soma. Why are those words important? Those words are important because those are the Greek words that are translated into spirit, soul, and body. When the Bible refers to your spirit in the Greek language, it uses the word pneuma. When it refers to your soul, it uses the word suche. And when it refers to your body or your flesh, it'll either use the word soma. And there's another one for flesh called sarks. Okay, soma is but is body. Sarks, S-A-R-X in the Greek transliteration is flesh. Okay. So obviously flesh and body uh, referring to the same thing, just slightly different words. All right. So pneuma suche soma. I'm not trying to bore you with this, but I'm trying to, to, to give you a really good understanding here because let me tell you the, the I'll come back online for a minute. Okay. Let me tell you the critical mistake that a lot of not just people make, entire church denominations make this mistake. They the spirit and the soul. There are a lot of people in the body of Christ who believe we are two-dimensional beings. And, and so I want you to see the pneuma suche. You know, connections. So anybody ever used a pneumatic, an air tool? Okay, so that's pneuma. Um, obviously, suche, think psyche, psychology, psychiatry from the, the, the middle terminology. Um, soma, uh, my, my wife buys some uh, nice lingerie from a place called Soma. It means body, okay? Um, and then... Um, um, I'll come back to the drawing. Look at this verse in Hebrews 4.12. It says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharp, Uh, surgical type instruments in our day and age, but he's saying that it's sharper, it's keener than any two-edged sword, and notice what it does. It pierces even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is it a... Now, there's a lot that can, we could cover here. We have covered a lot from this passage already, but let me tell you what he's basically saying here. There is a difference between the part of you that's spirit and the part of you that's soul. And there is a difference between the part of you that's spirit and soul and body. But without the Word of God, you are not going to be able to separate that spirit from the part of you that's soul or the part of you that's soul from the part of you that's spirit. Because the three have come together as one living in this body there is a dynamic interface that takes place between the spirit, the soul, and the body. So much so that, okay, stay with me now. You stay, you staying close? Stay close. Don't too close. Don't take a quick turn and lose you. All right? I'm going to take a quick turn. Warning, warning. Take a quick turn here. Anybody ever heard of something called psychosomatic illness? Okay, notice. 
Notice now. that is experienced in the physical body, but it actually has root in the psyche. Um, it, it, to, to be honest with you, and I have researched this number, okay, because I, I just, I, I'm looking for a, um, a lower number, not a higher one, because the, 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 the real number seems so high that it doesn't seem possible to me. But... But research shows 60% of all doctors' hospital visits are stress-related. What's going on here? Something in us mentally and emotionally affecting us negatively uh, in our physical health and well-being, right? Look, I know some of you don't have access to computers smartphones right now. Search it out for yourself. I'm like, no, nah, surely this, this has got to be an exaggeration here. So when we talk about being able to separate you could spend a whole class on this, and it's fascinating, but how about laughter doeth good like a medicine? I think I've got that verse here close somewhere. Here we go. A merry heart... Um, does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. That's uh, Proverbs 17 and 22. So, merry heart, one translation literally says laughter. Now, what research now has proven is that this verse is 100% true, that when we laugh, laughter releases healing endorphins um, in our biochemistry things of this nature. And watch this now. This is, this is even, I think, more fascinating. Even if you fake the laughter, you still get benefit from it. Physical body, he created the spirit, he created the soul. And this psychosomatic suchasoma um, connection. We also see things like a broken spirit or how about bitterness? That's another one. Bitterness. Bitterness is, is an inward condition that breaks a person down outwardly in a physical way. So there is, a, there is a very, again, intricate, dynamic connection between all three dimensions of your existence. So if you're ever going to be able to distinguish what's spirit, what part of you is spirit, what part of you is soul, and what part of you is body, you're going to have to let the Word of God tell you those answers. You have to let the Word of God cut and, and dissect so that you can say, okay, that's spirit, okay, that's... Uh, mental, that's emotional, that's soul. This is, is actually a, a physiological problem. In Jesus' day, if, if you've read the New Testament, you know that there were times when people would present, that's kind of a medical term, but people would present, come to Jesus for help, and they would present with a classic case of demonic possession. But it wasn't demonic possession. It was some organic brain disorder, like maybe a severe case of epilepsy. Or
body. Jesus with severe physical symptoms, and Jesus would cast a spirit of infirmity out of them. So notice Jesus as a you know, master healing technician, um, he recognized that some physical symptoms had a spiritual root or a mental root or a emotional root, but then he also recognized in other cases where you know, um, you know, just the opposite, that, that it appeared to be a And heal your body, restore you physically, prosper you. over the you know word soma and this word bios is also a greek word and it is speaking of biological life okay physical life right the ability to uh, uh breathe hot breath on a mirror and create some fog okay um breath in the lungs this is bios, all right? The other word that you may not recognize up there is the word zoe, okay? Transliteration from the Greek is, um, is, is the word zoe. And this word also is translated life in the New Testament, but it doesn't mean bios. It's refer and nature of God, okay? The life and nature of God. This is Zoe. So in John the 10th chapter, when Jesus says to a group of people, I have come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. He was speaking to people who were biologically alive. He was speaking to people who had bios. He did not say, I've come to give you bios. He said to those people, I have come to give you zoe, and I have come to give it to you in overflowing abundance. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm co I've come to give you the life and nature of God himself, and I've come to give it to you in overflowing abundance. If you're already ahead of me, amen, that's fine. I'd rather be ahead of me than too far behind me. But how about John 3, 16? God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but should have everlasting zoe. 
So Jesus came to give to you and me the life and nature of God in overflowing abundance without end. He came to give to you and me the life and nature of God in overflowing abundance without end. And so we have then up in that corner, obviously the word God, but the arrows denote both connection and direction, okay? Connection in the sense that God is a spirit and he looks for a, a living, vital connection between himself and your spirit, okay? The Bible says those who have been born again have, have become a new spirit and have become one spirit together with God, right? So we're talking about a union now. We're talking about a connection. But remember, we said not just co connection, but also direction. Because what we see is that the life and nature of God flows from God through a spirit connection with every born-again man or woman on this planet. So that the life and nature of God that's in God flows from God to you through that spiritual connection. And then we see that the plan of God is for the life and nature of God that already, if you're born again, already flows from Him into you, into your spirit, because that's, that's the real you, right? Amen? Amen? But now the desire is for that same life force, that same nature of God, to flow from Him into your spirit and then from your spirit through your soul into your physical body, outward into the world around you. Now, I almost feel compelled at this point to apologize to those of you who were raised in church and no one's ever explained this to you. And it's sad to me that a lot of people hear this and they think this is some kind of extreme teaching. This is some kind of outlandish teaching for some fringe group on the outer uh, atmosphere of Christianity. When my friend, this has been the plan of God from before the beginning. He created you to reflect His image in this created realm. He made you in His image and likeness so that He could put Himself in you and that He could then literally be revealed in your outward life existence and reality. Amen. And this is... This, this is the purpose of God for our lives. This, this is what He created us for. This, this is what, you know, I talked a little bit about the book that I'm working on this morning in class. And, and, and I get that's part of this, this passion rising up in me because this, this, is, this, is, the, this is what that book's going to capture in Jesus' name. Amen. We're capturing it now. All right. So let's, let's go back to it, though, okay? What I'm going to teach you in the days to come is that your soul acts like a valve, okay? Do you understand a valve? If you washed your hands today... You, you turned water on and then you turned it off. It was a valve. The Spirit of God who lives in you now is in you under pressure. Jesus said He would be like rivers and that He would be like a fountain springing up. Okay? So the Spirit of God who flowed forth from God and now dwells in you. How 
about this one? And I could go on and on and on. Um, the same Spirit, Romans 8, who raised Jesus from the dead now lives inside your mortal body, quickening, making alive your flesh, literally animating your flesh. He's living in you and He wants to live through you. Okay, let me, let me get settled back down here, okay? But your soul acts like a valve. You see, let's go back to uh, what I think is just my go-to because it's so critically important. Your born-again spirit is just as right with God in the eyes of God as Jesus, just as free as Jesus, just as whole See, here's, here's what happens with so many people. We become a new creation through the new birth, but we think Galatians 4 says that as long as you're a child, you'll live like a slave, even though you're ruler over all. Right? Because the life force of God, you became a new creation. Your soul was not born again when you were born again. Your body was not born again when you were born again. It was your spirit that was born again. This is where God made you absolutely new. He did not send you back to the factory to be refurbished. The old person and the old nature that you were and had were buried with Jesus. And through the new birth, He put a new spirit in you. Okay? Now, the soul, though, is the valve. You are a three-dimensional being. And so what happens for a lot of folks is the flow goes from God to the spirit. But it's so let me can, can y'all take a little bit here? See, we we um man Lord was stirring me about this this morning. Um do you do you realize I'm gonna I'm gonna try to be nice, okay? But I'm I am gonna be nice. Thank you, Lord. Yes, speak the truth in love. But but do you realize what I've never thought of it in quite this way. The only way you can understand the Bible is to go into it realizing. Tells us? I mean, it says, it says all these things. See, religion tells you that God doesn't mean what He says. That doesn't mean what He says. Okay? And, and, and oh no, it doesn't mean that. How many times... Raised up in my denominational upbringing, was I told, it was my family told, was people that I love told, it doesn't mean that. That's not what it means. No, I know it says that, but it, it doesn't mean that. No, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean physical healing. He's talking about an emotional healing. He's talking about a spiritual healing. No, it doesn't mean, it, it, were healed doesn't mean that your body was healed. That, no, it doesn't mean that. On and on and on and on and on. 
Understand the Bible. You've got to know when you read it. It doesn't mean what it says. My friend, nothing could be further from the truth. It means exactly what it says. But can I tell you why a lot of people are lost when it comes to understanding what the Bible says and therefore it must not mean what it says? It's because they only look at themselves as, as a one-dimensional being. God begins to explain all this to a very highly, super highly educated man named Nicodemus. And he looks at Jesus like he's crazy. And he says, how can a man be born a second time when he's full grown? He will not fit back inside his mother's womb to be born a second time. What is he doing? He's trying to understand everything from. Nicodemus, what's born of the flesh is flesh, but what's born of the spirit is spirit. You've got to be born of the flesh and the spirit to see and enter into the kingdom of God. So when the Bible talks about all these things that are true about you right now, how about like this? You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. How about this? You have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Not will be, have been. That we never think we will have, right? You already have. But see, we don't think we have it if we don't have evidence of it in our physical existence yet. We don't think we have it. We don't think we are it. We're trying to become it. So, the, so the, the soul acts as a valve. It just, it just shuts the whole thing off. It shuts the whole thing down. Paul said all kinds of things like, like the Son of God being manifest. Okay. Well, the, that's not what that means. It is. This, 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 we see again where we started in you know class one. In so many of God's churches, right? Discipleship is a class where you. That's indoctrination. That's, 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 that's helping you become oriented to life at our church. Okay? That's, that's not what it means to be in, indoctrinated into or oriented into what it means to live with the Son of God inside of you. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. All right, so... Um, it's a flow, right? Also, an even greater works than these. Do you ask how many, you ask how many people that I, I don't? I don't. It's not what that means. That doesn't mean what it says. See, we we try to make it a, a, be some other work. Okay, we try to make it going and preaching the gospel so people can get saved. Nobody could have the gospel preached to them so that they could be saved until Jesus finished the work. That wasn't necessarily in the wheelhouse of the works that Jesus did. 
What were the works that Jesus did? The works that Jesus did were casting out devils, healing people who were sick, opening blinded eyes. These were the works that Jesus did. And what did he say? He said, the works that I do, you will do also. So, how about this one? Now, I said that. They will do some things. And this is what they'll do. They'll speak with new tongues. When, when religion tells us that's not, it, it doesn't mean what it says. Notice they, religion always tries. I got to be in my bonnet, don't I? Let's just get, let me get this out of me right now, okay? Religion always tries to water it down to something you can do without God. So notice now, speaking with new tongues doesn't mean speaking in an unknown tongue as the Holy Spirit gives you the utterance of a heavenly prayer language. Speaking with new tongues means we don't cuss like we used to cuss. That's, that's what religion tells us. That's all that means. That's what that means. Okay, well what about, what about casting out devils? Well, that's like if something demonic comes on your television, you turn it off and cast it out of your house. Oh, really? Okay. Well, what about you will lay your hands on the sick and the sick will recover? Well, you know, it's like when somebody has a fever, Pastor Mark, and you, you go get them some Tylenol compress and lay it on their fevered brow. See? You see what religion does to all this, right? Why can you lay your hand on a sick person and that sick person be healed? Because the healing power of God flowing from God full stream, full bore into you right now. And the only reason, listen to me, the only reason we're not doing it, you're not doing it right now, is because our mind says we can't. Our mind says it's not for today. Our mind says it won't work. Our mind says we tried that. Our mind, da, 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 da. See, it's all the hang up in mind. Because remember, your soul's the valve. Your soul's the valve. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's talk a little bit about what Sister mentioned a moment ago. Um, <clears throat> Numa Suche Soma. I've already said that I want you to start thinking of your, as, as, of your body as the body you live in. Okay? We'll get to it in the days ahead, but let me go ahead and tell you. All right? It's a loner. It's a loner. It's temporary, and, and it's also a loner. What do I mean by loner? It's a loner because it's not mine. This body's not mine. Are you, are you hearing me? This body's not mine. It's a you know, it's like when you get the rental car and you take a Prius four-wheeling, you know, because it's a loaner. It's a, it's, it's a rental, you know? Right? Right? Coming soon to a sermon near you, the Lord. See, if, 
the key, according to Jesus, the key to having true riches, the key to having things that money can't buy, the key to being trusted with what God says is yours. Okay, are you ready? It's to be found faithful in what belongs to another man. Tithe. The Bible clearly says, you can do whatever you want to with your tithe, but you just listen to me. The Bible says that it's only when you are found faithful in what belongs to somebody else that you qualify for the true riches. And God plainly says the tithe belongs to Him. The tithe belongs to Him. And if you spend it, you're robbing Him. Okay? Now, if, if you want to do your life stealing from God... So, this is another opportunity for me to be faithful with something that's been entrusted to else. Don't tell anybody. He knows more than me. Jesus said, my doctrine's not my own. I heard Keith Moore teaching this recently. He said, most, most pastors and teachers would say, burning the midnight oil. That's how I got to know, see. <laughs> see, what I'm teaching you right now, I, I am a steward of a mystery. Father has revealed mysteries to me. And he has given me the assignment to share the faithful with what belongs to somebody else. Guess what happens to people that Father God finds faithful? He gives you more. He shows you more. He opens your eyes to more things. Amen? Amen. Now, the body I live in, the horse I rode, things create stress in my inward man that would prematurely age my physical body. It's steward. That's why Jesus told us. He, he didn't say, look, guys, I know you're going to worry some. I'm just trying not to worry too much. He said, do not worry. Do not let your heart be troubled.
in the environment of space. They have to be in a spacesuit because they can exist in that environment without wearing one of those suits. Yes? Okay, all right. Body is an earth suit, not a spacesuit, it's an earth suit. It was made from the earth. And you can't exist in this environment without one. There are two kinds of death. There's physical death or spiritual death. Physical death is when the spirit and the soul separate from body. Spiritual death is when the spirit is separated from God. Okay? Now, the earth suit has been fearfully and wonderfully made. It is a, it is a fast all kinds of things that we don't understand. Cells that are, that are so microscopic and yet they've got many mile long DNA code in every one of them. It's a, it, is, it is a fascinating, fascinating creation, our physical body. But it was, it was made by God to give expression to the spirit and soul that are in it. Now, if you were to um, if you separated. as the most sophisticated glove that has ever existed. Because when God slipped a spirit and soul into your body, there's a word, but it's an important word, a little bit of a complicated word, and it's this concept of an interface. Now, this part right here is the part that a lot of people over the years have struggled with. And, and notice now, it's because we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. We're, we're getting to the, to the rubber meeting the road part of all this. And so just stay with me. And if you have questions, we'll answer them, okay? Um, but just follow closely. So when we say an interface, an interface, the human body, the physical human body was created to give expression to the spirit and soul that reside in it. And so when something is interfaced, it's speaking of a connection. Think of a plugging in. That's why it takes the Word of God to separate the part that's spirit from the part that's soul from the part that's body is because it's, it's all plugged in and, and, and knitted in together. Some of you have met a gentleman that attends church here. His name is Bruce Baisden. Um, he builds uh, luxury motor coaches of all kinds and food trucks and blood bank trucks and um, he built a mobile studio for Timbaland. I mean, it's, you, it's hard to name um, 
you know, recording artists and people that he hasn't built things for. And I was at his shop one day, and um, there, there was, uh, you know, every everything in that bus was, I say everything, it was terminating up at the master console in the front of the bus. And it was like a bundle of wires, like, um, and I don't know how many hundred wires, right, that, um, you know, his technician sitting there one at a time, you know, making all those connections. See, he, it, it was, it, all that stuff was interfacing in, being wired into the control panel, so to speak, right? So your soul Notice where your mind is in this drawing. Let me, let me put it back up here. Notice where the mind is in the, in the drawing. The mind is part of what? The soul. Am I right about it? Yeah? Okay. So where's the brain? It's in, it's in the flesh, right? It's in the body. See, the, the brain is, uh, and I don't mean to be gross about this, but I, the brain's a meat computer. Okay? It's a meat computer. But your mind and your brain are not the same thing. Your mind and your brain are not the same thing. The brain is material. It's, it's substance. Your, your mind is immaterial. Okay? Can you weigh a thought? Right? You see what I'm saying? Thoughts don't have weight to them, but they do have substance. They're immaterial. So the mind interfaces or plugs into the brain. Now the brain, my brain is enabling my spirit and soul to speak audibly to you in a way that you can understand and comprehend it. And now your brain is processing it and, and hopefully it's spirit on the other side of, of your soul and now the Holy Spirit on the outside of you. And, that, and, and notice they're both coming together working on the part of you that thinks, feels, and chooses tonight. Renewing, reconditioning, transforming, presenting. Remember, I tell you all the time, a better life begins with better thinking. And the only way to have better thinking is to have a better source for our thoughts. That's why Jesus said the Word of God speaks to their spirit and life. The Word of God is living in the Bible. It's not just from a person. And we're trying to
that which is in you is flowing from you to other people. This is why it's more blessed to give than to receive, right? So when you give with the right heart and attitude, not because you're trying to give to manipulate somebody, okay? But when you are genuinely giving to help bless other people, see that you're tapping into that flow is something coming from you to, to, to someone else. Um, death or near so to answer your question I, the Bible doesn't speak about aura okay but The thing is not comfortable with the things because people about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know why I believe the number one reason um, more people aren't baptized in, in the Holy Spirit, who at least know that that's available to them? Fear. They're afraid of it. They're afraid of what to expect, back to control, you know. Well, I don't want to be in control. So you don't want to yield control of your tongue. You don't want to uh, yield more of yourself to the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we'd rather be in control. It's fear. No king emotions, choices. Remember, being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not you getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit getting more of you. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit's right there inside of you. You're born again spirit and the Holy Spirit have become one spirit. You can't tell where he stops and you start and where he starts and you stop or whatever I'm trying to say. If, if I was to take a, a, a glass, empty glass, and take water here and water here and pour them into the same glass, right? So God poured a new spirit inside of your body and then poured his spirit inside your body. Right? And so treasure an earthen vessel. So the Holy Spirit is in you. That's why when you speak in an unknown tongue, it comes out of your belly. It doesn't come out of your brain. It's not about the meat computer. And so I can mental faculty, my brain. So obviously that's required. The tongues are coming out of my belly. The scripture. Passes the mind. Doesn't come through the mind. Doesn't come out of the mind. Let me say it that way. It passes through the mind. Or pray with 
great. I got to use my control center for my mouth, right? Okay. But when I go in tongues, it's, it's, the, it's not coming from the mind, the brain. It's coming out of the mouth from the spirit. Some people are uh, have a, a one of the gifts of the spirit is to be able to discern spirits. Discern means to recognize when spirits are manipulating situations. But um, a lot of times, see, every human being that's born on this planet, born spiritually dead, but also born with the ability to defeat Satan. And, and the way we defeat Satan is to submit to God and resist the devil. So the devil has been trying your whole life to break down your ability to resist things in your flesh and your ability to resist things in your mind and your emotions. So we make excuses for our bad tempers. We say, well, you know, I'm part Irish, right? So somehow like that's supposed to justify you biting everybody's head off when you're in a bad mood, okay? So, but again, the devil, won't, he don't care if it's a donut, a cigarette, or fentanyl. He doesn't care what it is. He's, he's trying, obviously, still kill and destroy, but he's trying to break down your ability to resist, endure and resist, right? Physically, mentally, emotionally. That's why a lot of folks that come through the foundry have finished very few things in their lives. Okay? Because that's an area where the devil started when you're very young. These things are related, in other words, finishing things and endurance and so forth and so on. But the other thing, and I'm not saying this is you, but I have certainly seen this over the years because of abusing substances. See, the devil doesn't want you in your right mind. The devil doesn't want you in control of your mental faculties. He wants you to be a mind-altered, mood-altered state, he has greater access to you and even... Right? Um, situations that we put ourselves in, vow. You open yourself up to those and he's trying to convince you and people around you that you've got some kind of mental illness. Yeah. You hear what I'm saying, right? Yeah. She, Sounds like schizophrenia to me. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> really, so I'm saying. 
And I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that to you. Okay. But see, that's that, the, the devil. I keep telling you, he's playing chess. A lot of people are playing checkers. He ain't playing checkers. He's playing chess, right? I don't go down that whole road, but, you know, so much I, I don't understand. 642. Um, it just, yeah. Um, let me see where I can land this plane. Make sure we got covered what we need to cover tonight. Um, so that's a, good, that's a good spot for us to stop. Um, so let's do this. Um, when Jesus told them in Genesis 2, um, that if you eat of the fruit, you'll die. A literal translation of that. So what happened to him? Well, <clears throat> I'll, I'll walk over here and act it out for you, okay? surely die. When they did what God told them not to do, they died spiritually at that moment. Okay, But they were still physically alive. Now they knew something had happened. Don't discount for one moment either that once they were spiritually disconnected from God, dominant negative emotions started to uh, invade their, their um, soul and body. Why do you think they were hiding? Not just from God. They were hiding from, one each, from, from each other. Okay. But they were still, quote unquote, alive. But what did they have at that point? They still had bios, but no Zoe. Okay. And every human being that was born after that was born biologically alive, but spiritually dead. So do you see why Jesus came to give you the life and nature of God in overflowing abundance without end? Because that was what we lost. Thank you for what you're helping us lay hold of. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. Thank you, Father, for helping us see things clearly. Lord, this is so important. So important, Father. I've, I've considered paying people to let me teach them. But, Lord, if you've got to make somebody come to learn it, Lord, they're not going to hear what they've got to hear. Thank you, Lord, for, for receiving. Thank you, Lord, for... for, for
with the people around them, um, how you're using them already in positive ways for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Art, your love, thank you for being here.